Parents are funny. And here's the thing. We, we love going to watch our kids do stuff. We are passionate about our kids. I love just to see my kids grow up. I love walking into my daughter's room the other day. And, uh, and I saw the craziest, weirdest thing I'd ever seen. It was like 45 Barbie dolls, and they were all in push-up position. And I was like, what are they doing? She's like, they're working out. <laughs> I was like, well, of course they are. How else do you keep your Barbie doll figure? I don't know. Um, but it's like, but I, love, I love watching my kids develop, watch them grow, and I tell you what, I'm passionate about my kids. Any parents out there passionate about your kids? You want to see your kids do well. Uh, what are you passionate about? about. I mean, maybe it's your kids, maybe it's your family, maybe it's a sports team, uh, maybe it is, you know, a political party, maybe it's something that you rally behind because you're really excited about, you know, a certain calls and you've got all kinds of bumper stickers and you've got signs in your yard, but you're passionate about it. Here's the deal. Uh, we get passionate about things and, and it's from that passion, it's from that topic from which we draw so much uh, inspiration. Like when times are down, we go to that thing that we're passionate about. Or when we want to make a big decision in life, often we have to think about, what are the things I'm passionate about? How is this decision going to affect the thing that I'm passionate about? So whatever it is for you, whatever it is uh, for me, our passion drives us. i tell you one thing that I'm passionate about, and we as a church here at Venture Church are passionate about. We are passionate about seeing people come from a place where they were maybe far from God, and can discover a new step towards God every day. I'm passionate about it. I love watching that life change happen. What are you passionate about? Today we're starting a three-part series called Vital Signs. And Vital Signs is a pretty cool uh, a way of looking at spiritual life. Like, in our, like medically, biologically, there are vital signs. You might, you know, first thing that came to your mind maybe was someone's pulse, their heartbeat, maybe their brain activity, maybe respiration, are they breathing? Medically speaking, these are your vital signs. And if, if for some reason one of your vital signs goes, goes poorly... You have to do something to kind of jumpstart that thing. Maybe you need to have CPR done. Maybe you need to have the shock paddle thing, the, the AED. Maybe you need to have some, uh, some respiration help. Like, you need to jumpstart those vital signs because what? It maintains our life, right? Well, if that's true uh, physically, I want to make a comparison to something spiritually. I believe there are some vital signs for us spiritually. Things that can let us know, like, are we alive? Is my spiritual heart beating? Am, am, I, am I spiritually breathing? Am I alive? And so for the next three weeks, we're going to be taking a look at three vital signs for developing a godly heart or jump-starting a godly heart. And today's vital sign starts with the idea of passion. This is a double whammy, actually a double special Sunday, because not only are we kicking off vital signs, but it's also Compassion Sunday. Patrick mentioned it early, earlier. He talked about the table at the back, and I'm going to talk some more about that table in just a minute. He talked about the opportunity to just do some one-time gifts to help get some children out of poverty. It's Compassion Sunday, and, uh, and we do this every year. You can pick a different Sunday every year, but around the world, different churches that, that sponsor Compassion Children pick a different Sunday, and they come in, and they just have Compassion Sunday. And so this is our Compassion Sunday. Passion compassion. What is it that you're passionate about? How can someone know? Well, I found that if you want to know what someone's compassionate about, you spend some time with them. You know, like if you hang out with me for just about 45 minutes, you'll know a couple things about me. You know that I'm married, you'll know something about our church, you'll know, you'll know a lot about my kids, and you'll probably hear something about the Dallas Cowboys. You know, you'll hear something about how I love this city. You'll, you'll love this You'll, you'll hear what I'm passionate about. And if you want to get to know what someone's passionate about, just listen to what they talk about. 
If I wanted to get to know what a lot of you are passionate about, I think I could just sit with you over a lunch or over a weekend and hang out, and I would know within a couple of conversations the things that you care the most about. Would you agree with that? It's, it's, why, it's why you talk about it, because you're passionate about it. it. It brings me to a question that I don't know if you've ever thought about, and really as I was preparing for today, this question kind of stirred in my mind for a while, and the question is this. What do you think God's passionate about? He's God. He's got a lot to think about, right? He's created the world. He's kind of keeping everything in motion. I don't know if you believe in God. I hope, hope that he, you've seen him in the world. Maybe, maybe just being here today is just a step towards understanding something else. But I think, I think you know, most of us in this room, we believe there's a God. And beyond that, we claim to be Christians. And so I wonder, what, what is Jesus passionate about? What is God passionate about? Well, if you want to know that about me, you'd spend some time listening to what I talk about, right? If you want to know what God's passionate about, Take a look at what he talks about. When you look through the Bible, cover to cover, there are some things that God talks a lot about. Like there's some things that I think that if we listen to what God talks about in the Bible, we would know that he's passionate about it. For example, like he's passionate about people turning away from sinful lifestyles and turning back to him. That God's passionate about that. The Bible calls that repentance. It's the idea of saying I'm headed towards a selfish, sinful life. But no, I'm going to turn around. I'm going to head towards God. God is passionate about that. He talks about it all the time to give people ways to have that happen in their life. Another thing God is passionate about, we see him talk about all the time, is forgiveness. Man, you read the Bible. I don't know if you read a lot of the Old Testament or any of the New Testament, but as you read the Bible in its entirety, what I see over and over again is people who are disobedient towards God and then God gives them an opportunity for forgiveness. Thousands and thousands and thousands, even millions of people throughout the Bible, we see God showing them forgiveness. I believe God's passionate about forgiveness. Another thing that I think God's passionate about, if you look at what he talks about in the Bible, is this. And I think a lot of you can attest to this. I know I can. God's passionate about restoring broken people, messed up people, so that we can serve him. God's passionate about that. There are thousands of examples of that in the Bible. You see him talking about it all the time. You see him giving people avenues to that. And we see it in the church today. And so I think there's some things that God is passionate about. So as I look through, what is God passionate about? What does he talk about the most? Something really jumps out of my mind. There's this theme that goes through all of those three things. And then one more that I'm about to name, and it's this. God is passionate about compassion. Like, think about it. I don't know if you know really what the word compassion means. The word compassion means to suffer alongside of or to suffer with. In other words, I see what you're going through, and I'm going to have passion with you on that. That word passion, it kind of means having this heartfelt, gut-wrenching feeling that i got to do something. Right? That's passion, whether it's for a sports team or for a loved one, and God has that. But compassion means to take that energy and that love and to live alongside someone else, to experience life on their level. That's what forgiveness is, right? That's what God giving us the opportunity to turn away from our selfishness to him is. That's what God giving us an opportunity to have a broken person made usable by God. That's what all that is. God's passionate about compassion. And uh, here's something that was staggering to me as I, as I read this this week. That in the Bible, there are over 560 verses where God shows an instruction, a command to have compassion on a certain group of people. 560 times, over 560 times in the Bible, where God says, have compassion on the poor, people living in poverty. 
Like if I said something 560 times, you might think, okay, Chris, Chris uh, is, wants you to hear this, right? If you said that to your kids, like and you're saying, I want you to clean your room, clean your room, clean your room. What do you want them to do? Clean their room. 560 times in the Bible we see God talking about having compassion on people in poverty. Like let's just take a look at some of those. We'll read some of these verses. Uh, in the Old Testament, which is the first two-thirds of the Bible, uh, we see a lot of God's talking to the nation of Israel. And one of their leaders named Moses gives this word from God in Deuteronomy 15. He says this. If there be among you in any of the towns the Lord your God has given you who is in need, do not be hardened or tight-fisted towards the needy neighbor, but open your hand willingly, lending enough money to meet whatever the need that may be. This is the word of God. God says, listen, if there are people in need, don't be tight-fisted about it. Share. We see that. God talks about it. He's passionate about it 560 times. Or later we see in the book of Proverbs, chapter 19, uh, God says through a proverb from King Solomon, he who lends to the poor is kind and God, to God, sorry, who's kind to God and will be repaid. There's this like direct association between loving people who are in poverty and loving God. It's like they're somehow by proxy allowing you to love God. It's pretty, pretty crazy. The prophet Jeremiah says a little bit later in Old Testament history, Jeremiah twenty two sixteen says, He's talking about a king who was a great king. He talks about this king. He says, this king judged the cause of the poor and needy and all went well. Is this not what it means to know me, declares the Lord? Like God says, knowing him, knowing God consists of defending the cause of the poor and needy. 560 times in the Bible we see this. And so if God says something 560 times, I think we need to listen. I think we need to pay attention. I think we need to wake up. We see it in the Old Testament and in our English Bibles. If you look forward into the New Testament, that's about the last uh, third of your Bible. And the New Testament of the Bible is the part of the Bible that talks about Jesus. It talks about the early church. It talks about the teachings for us in this, in this modern age. And in Matthew chapter 25, we hear Jesus saying this, a very similar thing. In fact, before you put it up there, let, let me just share this. It's interesting because the things that God talks about in the Old Testament are almost identical to the things that Jesus says in the New Testament. I believe that Jesus is God in the flesh who came to experience life, to suffer together with us so that we could see a way back to God. It makes sense that Jesus would say things that add up completely with what God said in the Old Testament. Why? Because they're speaking from the same heart, with the same passion. So Matthew chapter 25, this is what Jesus says. He says, come with me into the kingdom prepared for you since the foundation of the world. Because when I was hungry, you fed me. And when I was thirsty, you gave me drink. And when I was a foreigner, you invited me in. When I was in prison, you came to visit me. And when I was sick, you took care of me. And when I was naked, you covered me. And as he's talking here, Jesus kind of does a little role play there, and he's kind of like the people in the audience don't get what he's talking about. They say, uh, I, don't, I don't remember seeing you sick. I don't remember doing that, Jesus. I don't remember fe feeding you when you were hungry. I don't remember giving you clothes when you were naked. I don't remember visiting you in prison. I don't remember doing these things. And so this is how Jesus responds. He says in verse 40, I tell you the truth. Whatever you did for the least of these brothers and sisters of mine, you did to me. Just like what Solomon said in the Old Testament. Don't you know that an act towards the poor, towards those in poverty, out of love, is like loving God? And it's kind of a crazy concept. Like, how is me loving someone else loving God? This teaching by Jesus is huge. Whatever you do for someone else in need, you do for me. It's kind of contrary to our logic. Like, Christmas is coming up, and like... I'd be glad if any of you wanted to buy me a Christmas present, right? That'd be fine. If you want to do that, I'll give you my address. You could just drop off my house, and I'd say, hey, I'd like a Christmas present. And here's what I want you to do. I want you to give me a Christmas present by giving someone else a Christmas present. 
Now, maybe we're nice people when we think of that. But, but seriously, like, we like to receive gifts. We like to receive things directly to us. And God says, if you want to serve me, serve others. It goes contrary to our, to our logic. It goes contrary to the way that we naturally want to act. But yet God says, whatever you did for the least of these brothers and sisters of mine, you did to me. By meeting the needs of people, you're doing something kind of supernatural. You are actually loving God. You're being the hands and feet of God to these people, and then at the same time, you're loving him. 560 times, God is passionate about having compassion for the poor. Uh, Something that I've seen a lot when people are just getting into God for the first time, or maybe they're coming back to God after a stint away from him, uh, I see a lot that there is this desire in us to kind of see something tangible from God. You ever had this moment, like, you're just kind of down in the dumps, and you're like, God, I just need to, I need to see something. Like, I need you to pay this bill, man. Like, I need you to work out this problem with that person. I need you to take care of this issue in the world. I need you to do this, because the faith is all about what we don't see. The human side of us, we really want to, we want to see something, right? We want to put our hands on something. We want to touch something. We want to be a part of something and taste it and smell it, because that's how we can know for sure in our mind that things are the way they, they need to be. I've been there, because I don't want to go walk in. I don't want to get sucked in some spiritually emotional vortex, and maybe you've been in one of those church services or uh, these, these uh, worship services, and it's, it's so super emotional that you get you caught, caught up in it, and then you walk away going, man, I feel really good, but I just don't even, I don't even know what I can put my hands on. Hey, I'm all, I'm all about experiencing God emotionally. That's a big thing. But I believe that God also wants us to have tangible things we can put our hands on, lay our eyes on, and be able to do with our life. I think that that's part of why God gives us this idea of loving the poor as a way that we love him back. Because I've experienced this in my own life. I've been able to sit with, uh, I've lived in, I think, I counted this morning, I think eight or nine cities in my life. And in every single city that I've ever lived in, I've had the opportunity to sit alongside and have conversations with homeless people. People living in homelessness. Maybe you're in the room this morning and you've, and you've been there. You've been on the street because times just got tough or whatever happened for you. And I've sat with those people and I gotta tell you, I've experienced God in a lot of ways. I've experienced God by looking at the grandeur of nature. It's amazing just to think about a tree and like watch it as it grows and wow, that just happens all by itself. God put all the, 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 the DNA inside of a, a seed for that to happen. Like, I've experienced God through that. I've experienced God through, like, it happening in my life. Things go on that I, I can't quite explain unless, unless God was behind it, right? But I think one of the most tangible, real, put my hands on, smell it, taste it, touch it kind of ways that I've been able to experience God is when I've sat with someone who is in need. In all these cities that I've lived in, I've sat with, with different homeless people, and I've had experiences with them where I'm, like, seeing through different eyes now. I've been able to sit with uh, people living in poverty in, in West Africa and in, in South America in rural villages where these people have nothing. And what's interesting is that different people react different ways. If you've done this, a lot of you guys are very, uh, you know, loving and you've gone out and you've served people. People react in different ways, right? Some people are really glad to see you. Some are like, I'm so glad you're here. I'm so glad that you're here to help. And then other people kind of have that other reaction. That They're kind of like that, that con artist person that you always feared that you might run into, just trying to take advantage of a system or something. But what's interesting is no matter who I approach and I'm able to love by simply serving them in a place of humility and serving them when they're in poverty, I'm able to see a little bit through God's eyes because here's what I get to see. I get to see someone who's desiring to love someone else who is in need of love. 
And the people who accept it graciously, I get to see that gracious thanksgiving and like, wow, this is amazing. This must be what it's like when God loves me and I turn back to him and say, thank you. And then to even see the people who kind of reject you and they like, you know, I really was just hoping that, that you would just give me some money and go away. I didn't really want this conversation. And maybe it was just a kind of the card artist thing. What's crazy is it's still that act of love. And you're coming in and you're showing them love. And I wonder if it's like God who looks down on us, us sometimes, me sometimes, is like, I'm giving you this love and you're rejecting me. But I love you anyway. <laughs> Do you see how loving people in poverty, loving people who are in poor situations, is a way that we can experience something that God experiences every day? as he looks down on the world and loves us. And God gives us this opportunity. And he says, let me tell you, whatever you do, for the least of these brothers and sisters of mine, you've done for me. See, I want to be a part of a community, a church, a group of people who are passionate about the things that God is passionate about. I want to be able to look around our group and say, man, what do we do together? It's like, I don't know. What's God into these days? <laughs> and I want to do those things. I want to be with a group of people who can say, you know what? If God is passionate about finding broken people and bringing them back into a, a, a usable condition by him and shining light into their lives, that's what I want to be passionate about. If God is passionate about forgiving people who have done wrong and showing them a new way, I want to be passionate about that. And if God says, I am passionate about showing love to people in poverty, man, I want to be a part of a community of people who says, I am passionate about that. And so to do that, I think what we have to do is we have to take a step back and we have to take a look at what poverty is. There's some staggering statistics about poverty. Recent statistics show that around the world right now, every single day, between 35 and 40,000 children die every day because of poverty conditions. That's wild. It, listen to this, 60% of those die from something simple. They don't have enough food. 60% of 40,000 kids every day. The other 40% die mostly from treatable diseases and little conditions like diarrhea, the measles, the flu. Man, there were, a couple of weeks ago we had a guy... Um, here, his name is Barry Phillips. He's a missionary in the Philippines. He was able to share with some of our volunteers at our uh, backstage service, the people who help us set up here every week. Uh, we have a little service for all, all of us at the back of the room here before church starts. And Barry was able to share. And he lives in the Philippines, and he was sharing a lot of things. And I was doing some reading on the Philippines this past week. Uh, there's a place in the Philippines called Smoky Mountain. Smoky Mountain. Smoky Mountain is in the Philippines, and it's this mountain of nothing but trash. It's a landfill. It's a gigantic mountain of trash. And they're all over the world. I mean, we've got to put trash somewhere and there's ways of dealing with it and all that. But here's the thing about Smoky Mountain. There are families, there are full villages of people that live on this mountain of trash. You know, everyday kids go out on this mountain and they're collecting things that they might be able to sell, trade, or recycle, glass and aluminum and things like that. And they're trying to make scrape a living. Some of them are just out there just playing. And something that's tragic that happens all day, all, all the time on that mountain is a big dump truck, a big trash truck will back in, not see a bunch of kids playing, and just dump their whole load right on top of them. What? In a world where millions of people have iPhone 6s, why are there kids getting trash dumped on them and, and, and living on a mountain of garbage? Why? I think that God sees the suffering in our world, and he says, I got a plan for that. It's my people. Let's look again at the word Compassion. The word compassion means to suffer with, to suffer with. You know, poverty is bad because of the physical conditions. 
There's a second reason why poverty is bad, though. Mother Teresa, she spent a lifetime working in Calcutta with people in extreme poverty. And she's quoted saying a lot of amazing things. But one thing that Mother Teresa said was that, you know, the the physical conditions uh, may be terrible, but possibly the most damaging effects of poverty are the emotional conditions that happen with people living in extreme poverty. This is what she said. She said that the message that someone living in poverty receives day in and day out is this message. You don't matter. You don't matter. You don't matter. And so if I'm living in these conditions and I see I'm I'm the scum on the bottom of people's feet, I'm living on a mountain of trash, I can't get by, I can't feed my own children, my children are starving, I'm a child, my parents, where are they? And who knows where they are, maybe they're off working really hard, but I feel like I don't matter. What do you begin to hear in your head every day? I don't matter, I don't matter, I don't matter, I have no value, I am worth nothing, there is no hope, nothing can change. They're the physical conditions of poverty. They're the emotional conditions of poverty that make people believe that they can't matter, which leads to this really terrible state. And this, guys, this is what I really want to address today. Like, I get this is like a heavy day, <laughs> but it's going to come to a place of real hope in just a minute. Stick with me. The third condition of pro- poverty that I think God wants us to step into and suffer together with is the spiritual condition of poverty. Because what happens, if you believe that you don't matter, you don't matter, you don't matter, and you got some missionary, somebody comes to your village and they tell you something like this. Let me tell you about a God who loves you. Let me tell you about a God who says, you do matter, things can change, things can be different. Here's the struggle that people are in. There is a God, he does love me, I do matter, things can change. Wait, that stands in complete contrast to what I believe about myself. How can I believe that there's a God who loves me and things, who can, things can change if I don't matter? Nothing can change. This is how. People show love over and over and over to bring hope through a meal, through a hug, through a smile, through a handshake, through a coat, through a pair of worn gloves, through a warm hat or a blanket. And Jesus says, whatever you've done to the least of these, you've done for me. Because you get to be my hands and my feet in the world to show people that they do matter, that God does love them. Starting to slowly reverse the physical conditions of poverty, which leads to an improved state emotionally, but most importantly, that spiritually, as they check their vital signs, they can know my heart can beat for God. There can be hope. There can be a difference. There can be a change. There can be a light in this darkness. So it's time for us to check our vital signs. How can we get a good heartbeat for God? How can we come to a place as a community where we say, we're doing this. We're on board. We want to get down in the trenches with people as much as we can. We want to love the people who are the least of these. Enter Compassion Sunday. Compassion Sunday, man, I'm going to get it to a second. I'm going to be talking uh, about uh, this table here at the back and what Compassion International is all about and about child sponsorship. But I just want to take a second to talk to everybody in the room real quick. First, I go to stores a lot. Um, I'm kind of a cheapskate, and I walk into a lot of stores because I'm just looking. You ever go, like, and the the clerk comes up to you, and he's like, uh, hey, can I help you, sir? And really, I'm just like, oh, do you see me here? Uh, no, I'm just no, I'm just here to take up your air conditioning. I'm just looking, right? Uh, but the truth is, like, I like the store. I, li- I was interested by it. So I came in the doors, and I walked in, and I looked around, because 
it interested me because I thought that it was something that I could enjoy looking at and possibly enjoy buying one day. Um, you know, I was thinking about that, and, and, and I wonder if you're here today, and, you know, whatever situation brought you here on a Sunday morning, I'm curious, what was it? What, were you interested by, by your friend inviting you? Or were you interested because maybe you've been coming a few weeks, and you're like, well, they say just keep coming back, so I keep coming back, and I'm doing that, and, and they got free coffee, so that's cool. And, like, I, like but maybe you're here because, can I help you? I'm just looking. I'm just looking. Everyone else, people are just looking. They're looking for you to take the lead. They're looking for us to stand up and make a difference in the world. If you're just looking, man, I'm so glad you're here. Keep looking. Keep hanging out with us. I hope you'll keep coming back, and I hope that you find what you're looking for. I believe there's a God who loves you, and he gives you meaning. He can bring uh, bright days for you. Um, But you know, the rest of us, we all have this responsibility they say, what, what are we here on this earth to do? Let's be the hands and the feet of God. Let's show some compassion. And so as a community, we do several things. I, I, I'm excited about the community that I'm a part of here at Venture Church. Just in the last month, the things that I've seen so many of you do to serve the least of these. Just last month, uh, we were able to do a, a drive for gloves and scarves and uh, hand warmers uh, for an organization called Vigilant Hope that serves the homeless and people in poverty near the downtown area. And man, to see the, the, just the influx of all these materials come in, and then a lot of you guys joined us out on a Thursday night where we served a meal to, I think it was 50 or 60 people living in homelessness and poverty. And as we served them, man, just to sit at a table with them and share a meal, and then by the end of the night, you just get to hand out gloves and scarves and hats and, and hand warmers. The smiles on these people's faces let you know, wow, is this what it feels like for God when he gives us the good things that he gives us? to be the hands and feet of Jesus. Uh, Vigilant Hope has another thing. I want to make you aware of it. Every Monday morning, uh, there's another, there's a church near the intersection of Greenfield and 5th downtown. If you want to know more about it, just come talk to me. I'd love to tell you more about it. But around 7 a.m. On, on Monday mornings, they serve breakfast to basically the same community of people living in homelessness. And they say that the community there is great. I'm going in a few weeks myself. And uh, the community there is great. You can get to know some real names and some real stories and, and start to break away some of the uh, the 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 stereotypes you might have about poverty and homelessness and know that a lot of these people have jobs and they're working really hard to get by, but things are still tough. I want to invite you to come serve on a Monday morning with Vigilant Hope. Another thing that we're doing here at the church, a way that you could step in, suffer together with, and show some compassion. It's a very simple way. Starting next week, we're going to have one of those Christmas angel trees out in our lobby area near the coffee. And on that tree will be names of children who are living in some poor and poverty situations here in Wilmington. Many of them, I think all of them, attend school here at Alderman Elementary School. Well, you could walk up to that tree, and as a family, you guys could pick a name off the tree and look, look on the list and think, I want to give this child a gift for Christmas. Something to let them know you do matter. Someone is looking out for you. Now, look, getting them a bicycle or a new lunchbox isn't going to teach them all about Jesus. But you know what it will do? It'll help take the sting off of some of the physical conditions of, physical conditions of poverty. It'll start to reverse and change some of the emotional conditions of poverty. And it'll open their heart up to the idea that I do matter. Things could be better. Maybe there's a God who loves me. I want to invite you to take an angel off the tree. Hopefully we'll run out of angels and there's another organization in, time who's, in town who's kind of uh, sitting in, in, on deck in case we need more names for our tree. That'd be great to fill up the tree twice or three times and just show some love to these kids living in poverty. There's so many ways that you can serve people in our community. And I, I want to encourage you, don't wait until the church plans an event. Don't wait until we put a Christmas tree up somewhere and have names on it. But go out and find people in your neighborhood, maybe people in your family that you can just call. You don't have to just drain your bank account to give them all your money. What you can do is just sit with them 
have a cup of coffee, have a conversation, bring some dignity to people who are living in a rough situation. The thing I want to kind of wrap up with, though, is this opportunity we have today. Compassion International is a, is a worldwide organization, and their, their mission is to release children from poverty in Jesus' name. And on our table in the back there, we've got packets of 30 different kids. I was going to bring one up with, with me to show you, but then I was like, no, I don't want that kid to accidentally get missed. I want that kid to be on the table. And so there are kids on the table, 30 of them. Last year, we had 15 children sponsored through Compassion International, 15 of them. Uh, they were all from Ecuador. And this year, we are, uh, we're trying to partner, build a partnership with a community in the Philippines. And so this group of kids is from very close to that, that, that uh, community in the Philippines. Actually, we're hoping to take a missions trip this summer to the Philippines. Anybody who wants to go, start putting it on your radar. Ask Santa Claus for money because plane tickets aren't cheap. Um, but, uh, you know, the, these kids in the Philippines, here's what I want to encourage you to do. Maybe one thing you could do is decide, I want to suffer together with a child living in poverty in the Philippines. I, I, I want to pick up this packet. For, with that packet, uh, what, you, what you can do is you can decide that I want to invest $38 a month into the life of of this child, $38 a month, that is killer. $38 a month, this is what it provides for that child. It will provide for them their medical care. It'll provide for them the clothing, clothing that they need. It'll provide for them education. There are schools that are built up around these compassion centers in each village. Each compassion center is, is uh, stationed out of a local church. It's a really cool thing that compassion does. They only work with the local church so that the people in that local church can physically be the hands and feet to go out and meet these families where they are and help them by carrying things. It takes the food, uh, their, their food needs, takes care of them. Uh, man, compassion children are, are some of the, the most well-developed kids that you'll find. Many of them picking up a sponsorship when they're six, seven, eight, nine years old and their sponsor supporting them until they're 18 years old. Getting them through school, through some of the hardest times of their life. And so many of these kids go from absolute poverty to having a chance. To getting to go to college, to getting to have a job, to getting to start a business. Compassion will also allow you to visit your child. If you want to go visit your child, you, you contact the center closest to where their child lives. And they'll help you arrange the travel there. Uh, last year we had a bunch of these kids sponsored through Venture Church. Uh, I asked over the last few weeks on Facebook and in other ways, if you had a child that you sponsored, uh, would you please send us a picture and a little bit of a bio of how things are going on? What I have in my hand right here, I'm not going to read all these we're just because of time, uh, but I've got pictures and letters written back and forth from our sponsors here at Venture to kids living all around the world. Kids like this. This first kid is Marvin. This is Maria. Do you have Marvin? We'll go with Maria. <laughs> this is Marvin. He lives in Ecuador, sponsored by the Fox family. Man, Marvin loves to get letters from Jeff and Linda and Connor. And their gift every single month is allowing Marvin to have a somewhat normal life where he has the food and medical care that he needs. Like this next child. I'm just going to go ahead because my list might be different than yours. The next child, this is, this is Jorge. He's in Ecuador. The Myers family, which if, if you know Brent and Emily, you know they also are foster parents and they're loving kids. But what's really crazy about Jorge's story is that the Myers are able to send him money every month and he's able to write them letters and he's learning how to read and write and learn about who Jesus is. We've got this, this next family who sponsored a child. The Hoffmans have Maria also in Ecuador. We have this next, this next child. This is another Maria. The Shivers family, uh, they have Maria, and I have a letter from them. I believe I have Maria here. Um, yes, I don't know. I've got lots of letters. And then we have one more. I think this is my family. Oh, the Smallwoods family, they have Josue. Uh, and then we have my family. I wanted to read you a letter from our little girl. Her name is Merrily. We've sponsored her for, for three years. And uh, when we first started getting letters from her, all she would do is like draw pictures because she couldn't write. And now look at this. She wrote that letter right there. See that? It's in Spanish. I'm not good at Spanish. Uh, but this is what she says. She says, 
Chris and Lindsay Woolard, hi, dear friends. May God fill you both with many blessings. I'm very happy to be able to receive your letters with photos. I hope you're fine. I'm having a good time along with my family. Last Tuesday, I went for a walk with my family where my grandparents live. I played uh, jump rope with my cousins. Right now, I'm training for soccer because we have sports week at school. Thanks to God, thanks to God's blessings, things are going fine with my studies every day. How is the place where you live? Your children are cute. My mom sends you her greetings. Thank you for your letters and with, her, with your photos. I ask you to pray for my dad. He is fishing in the high seas, as you have also been in my prayers. This connection with a child in another country, in a language that I barely understand. And when we first met her, she would write about how you know, they didn't have the things that they need and thank you for providing the food and all these things. And now just to see, she's, she drew this picture. Isn't that cool? You did a good job. Um, some of you sponsor a child. So many of you maybe would like to, but just simply can't afford to. Patrick uh, mentioned earlier there, there's a chance for a one-time gift where you could just take care of some medical care for one year, $60. You can send a Christmas gift. A couple years ago, we bought my mom a goat for another family uh, somewhere. That was, that was pretty cool. She liked getting a goat. She didn't, she didn't get the goat. It got delivered over there. But uh, for 100 bucks, you could get a goat to a family, which can provide, uh, which can provide milk and, and um and to have a source of income through the milk and also nutrients. And so things like that. Grab one of those one-time gift packets before you leave today. Guys, I've given you a lot of information. I've talked a lot about the passion of God, but I cannot stop talking unless I say this. God's passion is compassion. And the greatest way that God showed his passion was when he sent his son to this earth for us. See, if compassion is all about suffering together, God said, I'm going to go down. I'm putting my skin in the game. I want to let these people know that they do matter, <laughs> that there can be a better tomorrow, that the days can be brighter, and that I do love them. So God became a human being, Jesus. He lived a life here, 33 years. In the last three of those years, he spent teaching and traveling the, the, the area where he lived and telling people about the way back to God. And then he did the most awesome thing ever. He gave his life as a payment for our mistakes, for our sins, so that we can have a chance at a fresh start with God, so we can live out one of his other passions, which is taking broken, messed up people and give them the opportunity to serve him. Let's be the hands and feet of Jesus. Let's check our vital signs. And a surefire way to jumpstart your heart for God is through compassion. Let's pray. God, we love you. Uh, there's so much that you can teach us. There's so many things from your word that we can learn. and Some things are anecdotal. Some things like the last series we were in are like going through this whole book of the Bible in Ephesians and just it's a bunch of like learning things. And then there's just, these, there's just these nuggets of real life stuff. But I know that right now in this room, there are people who are struggling financially. There are people who are having a hard time to make ends meet with their bills. There are people who are struggling emotionally. Maybe they feel like they don't matter. Maybe they've been told that. They're struggling spiritually. They're looking for something to make them whole. God, my prayer is that you can have compassion on us every day. That you allow us to be stubborn long enough to be smart. That you'll give us the love that we need to, to carry on. Thank you so much for Jesus, Lord, and the compassion he showed. Lord, we pray over these children in the table at the back, uh, whether their names are picked up today or whether they end up back in the database and someone else 
somewhere else is able to sponsor them. Lord, I, I pray that we can be a community of people who is passionate about compassion. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen.